Amen. Every time I see Christmas candles, I'm reminded of my childhood and my brothers. I have two brothers. They are twins, uh, not quite two years younger than me. Uh, so my poor mother had three boys in diapers before any of us were two. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that was an annual tradition at our house was playing in the candles. If you've had children and candles, you know what children try to do with candles and candle wax and how it usually doesn't end up working out too well. Uh, but that's one of the things that the lighting of candles at Christmas <laughs> reminds me of because we did quite a lot of it when I was a kid. All right, let's see if I can get this to, there we go. Some of you who were um, who are into uh, Wookiees and lightsabers might recognize some some of the language here. I'm going to bring that up again in a minute. But the theme for the first candle of Advent is hope. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Hebrews 10.39 through 11.1 but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace through God with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Some of us better than others. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope, peace, joy, and love are linked in the Advent candles, and they are linked in the Scriptures. As the children in our lives think about Christmas, they have a lot of hope for Christmas Day, don't they? All those presents under the tree, all the things they might get. I want you to keep that picture, that attitude in your mind. Because hope and peace and joy and love are very good things. And they are and have always been deeply opposed Let's take a closer look. The first Star Wars movie ever made began with the words, A New Hope. And after the yellow-lettered prologue fades into the distant galaxies, the next scene is one of battle. In this, George Lucas reflected the truth of Scripture, that war is the picture described in the first prophecy about Jesus found in Genesis 3. Man is cursed with constant responsibility because he was lazy. Woman is cursed with constant dependence because she was enticed by control. And the serpent is cursed with ultimate defeat by the offspring of the woman he's just deceived because of his ultimate betrayal. The serpent will bruise the heel of this seed who will bruise the head of the vile serpent. Game on. War is also the picture in Revelation. When Christ returns to reign with the armies of heaven, he conquers the dragon of old, the deceiver, the accuser, the adversary, who is thrown alive into the lake of fire for whom it was created. The fall of Babylon, the battle of Armageddon, and the final battle around the camp of the saints. This is nothing short of all-out war to the death, the eternal death of our enemy. Between the first assault by the devil and the devil's crushing defeat at the end is the rest of the scriptures and human history. While we have not always been at war with each other, we have always, always been the target of attack by our adversary. From the moment he wanted God's place, he was destined to be our rival. He knew we were God's beloved, something he could never be, and evil always hates what it cannot have. War! <laughs> what is it good for? Absolutely. How about everything? When God fights, He wins. And that is good for everything. And a God who didn't war against an enemy such as our accuser would not be worthy of respect or worthy of declaring what's right and wrong, or worthy to overcome and sit down on his throne. We worship him because he has earned our worship. And warring against our universal enemy until he's completely defeated is one of the ways he shows how worthy he is. We cannot defeat our enemy alone. We've tried. Some of us very hard for very long. But none of us is perfect. None of us can claim to be worthy. And none of us can save his own self, let alone save someone else. Only Jesus, fully man in all of our weakness, fully God in all his holiness, could be perfectly obedient even unto death on a cross. 
And only Jesus could be tempted in every way as we are and be greatly able to help us because he never gave in. But a perfect God would not need to pay blood for sins, not for his own. Only sinful man in all the universe needs forgiveness. And man cannot pay what he owes. So God himself, the offended party, has paid for all we owe. And he shows his worthiness again of all our praise. Now this war has taken its toll. And one of the casualties of every war is hope. After a time, refugees seek only for survival. After a time, soldiers are often the same. We forget why we're fighting. We forget who started it. We forget which side is better to join. The trauma, the lack of safety, the constant attention to survival all wear down our joy, our peace, our love, and our hope. We become focused on just getting through another year, another day, another hour. Throughout the war between God and the enemy on planet Earth, God has repeatedly shown his goodness, his wisdom, and his power on man's behalf so that he might restore the love, the joy, the peace, and the hope lost in the war. One way he does this is through prophecies to his people, which indicate parts of his plans for their future and the future of all mankind, a future with hope. Hope in the midst of despair, of punishment, of shame. Yep, even there. Genesis 3 records it. God promises in the midst of judgment, he promises the coming of the Savior, the Savior who will overcome all the evil for which we and our enemy are responsible. Through Abraham, God promised to bless all nations, and the promise of hope was renewed. He even made hope through prophecy personal for Abraham when he promised a son in his old age, and the son came. Through Isaac, Jacob, then the 12 tribes in Egypt, the promise of hope was renewed again when Joseph gave directions to carry his bones to the promised land when they went out from Egypt, not if. He knew. His hope was in the God who promised and who always came through. Through Moses, God promised again a prophet who would point to him. Through Joshua, God fulfilled the promises to the patriarchs, and Joseph was laid to rest in his native home. Through the judges and the kings, history made it plain that no person or group of people could hope to save themselves from their sin, their enemy, or their world. Only by God's repeated miraculous intervention was Israel preserved, the law and the prophets preserved, and the connection to the promises preserved. Even in punishment, in captivity, in the ransacking of Jerusalem, and then in rebuilding, prophet after prophet pointed to God's mercy, his salvation, and his plan to rescue his people from their sins. God continued to renew the promise of a Savior to his people. And even after 400 years or so of prophetic quiet, God again came through and fulfilled his promise 
the Savior finally came. Merry Christmas seems such an inadequate declaration. We celebrate hope given by God thousands of years before delivery. Hope for his people unable to hope in themselves. We celebrate a faithful God who never promises in vain, who always comes through, who is all about hope for the hopeless. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in all his days on this earth, brought hope everywhere he went. He began his ministry with the, with the reading of Isaiah 61 and then proclaimed the fulfillment of that part of God's promise of hope. His whole life was one big fulfillment of so many prophecies, so many hopes. Witness Simeon's only recorded statement in which he at last proclaims his readiness to die, having seen the Savior, the fulfillment of all his hopes. And the Magi, after years of travel and searching, found the fulfillment of their hopes in a house in Bethlehem. And then through the Gospels, how many healed of blindness, deafness, fevers, and lameness how many brought back to life when all hope was lost? Don't bother the teacher, they said. There's no reason to trouble him now unless hope says differently. Lame for 38 years, paralyzed for 18 years, a flow of blood for 12 years, hopeless, all of them, until Jesus. Five loaves, two fish, <laughs> no hope for a full belly there. Unless Jesus. Storm sinking the boat, no hope. Until Jesus spoke. Disowned as traitors for collecting taxes from their own people. There was no hope for redemption for Matthew or Zacchaeus. Until Jesus called them. Tortured by demons, no hope. But the voice of Jesus sends them packing. And this man kept trying to tell his closest followers that he would be killed in a terrible way and betrayed and it would be okay. There's no hope there. No one gets exonerated by the Sanhedrin for blasphemy. Not after what Jesus said. He made sure of it. No one gets down from the cross. Romans were brutally efficient. No one gets up from a sealed grave with a Roman guard. Pharisees and chief priests were very thorough. And yet, there was still hope, though no one believed it. Jesus and others had prophesied the details of his betrayal, torture, death, burial, and the promise to Adam and Eve about overcoming the serpent was still in effect. God comes through. He fulfills his promises when Jesus showed his risen self to his people. Culmination of freedom, joy, love, and peace like no one had ever known. The promise of hope was again renewed. And then Jesus upped the ante. He increased the promise of hope. Now we not only have hope for the life to come, and salvation. But now we can have hope every moment until then. 
and after hope for freedom, hope for a nation, hope for a savior have now all been fulfilled, there is still more to hope for. Jesus promised a helper, a comforter, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot know, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us what Jesus had, unquenchable, unbreakable, immeasurable hope. For we are filled with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And he promised to return after preparing a place for us so we could be with him and his Father. His Father loves us so much, Jesus said that even he, the Son, need not pray to the Father for us. For the Father himself loves us. The Father himself wants us home again. God is so faithful that now the prophecies about life after the return of Christ are the only unfulfilled prophecies left. What amazing hope can be found in them? The Garden of Eden, sinless earth, and all that Adam and Eve enjoyed is nothing compared to what awaits believers when our Savior returns to take us home. A tree for the healing of the nations. New songs, new names, members of every tribe and nation, new heavens and new earth. And God in the midst of it all. And the final destruction and punishment of our enemy and all his works. And every tear wiped away. Hope indeed. So when we light the candle of hope for Advent, we remember hope as the Hebrews knew it, longing for the Messiah. We remember hope as it was promised from the Garden of Eden to the plains of Canaan to the stable in Bethlehem and the temple in Jerusalem. We hold the same hope as all those in Hebrews 11 who died in hope without receiving the promise so that all of us believers might enjoy the completed hope together on that great day prophesied by many yet to be fulfilled. This candle of hope reminds us that what Jesus promised us is on its way, nearer every moment. A hope so grand and powerful, so full of joy, peace, and love, we cannot begin to imagine it all. We have hope because of Jesus. Hope because of the Holy Spirit. Hope because of the fulfilled prophecies. Hope because of all that God has done when we could not. This candle means all of that. We have hope. And so we can share it like we share the flame of a candle. The flame does not diminish from the sharing. Rather, the light, the heat, the ability to see increases exponentially the more we share the flame with other candles. Hope does not last indefinitely on its own, just as a candle flame will eventually go out. Flames must be fed and have access to oxygen. Hope must also be fed by testimonies and access 
to God's reminders in prophecy. Hope can be overcome if it is neglected, unprotected, or starved. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We have the light of hope. We need to see that light in each other, or we get discouraged and begin to despair. We must keep hope strong enough in us that we have hope to share with others who fight despair. We hold the bread and fish. We must distribute to the multitudes. Jesus will see to it that there's enough to go around. Our job is to distribute, to give it away, to check and see that everyone got some, no one's left out, that no one we can reach remains hopeless. Hopeless is the world. Hopeful are we. Let your light shine, church. Spread the hope. Our God is worthy of hoping in. It's a brief reminder. God created us. He created the universe, and he created all that is good. He planned to rescue us from our own mistakes and from our enemy. He prophesied the plan throughout history, sending message and pictures to help us understand. He fulfills his plans. Jesus came. He lived and died as one of us. He reconciled us to the Father through his own blood and sent us the Holy Spirit. He conquered death and sin and the devil. He's prepared a place for us, a place of healing, of peace and joy, of life and love, of reunions and good surprises, of beauty, majesty and power, of righteousness and communion with himself and each other. He is the most important person in every room, in every life. He knows and he cares. He shares with us our very breath, shares his image, shares existence with us just because he loves us. Is he worthy of our praise, of our devotion, of our hope? He is. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. It's great. And is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Is anyone whole? 
anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slain. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He is. Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Sing with me. Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, from every nation and tongue. God to reign with the Son. Is He worthy? Is He worthy of all blessing and honor? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? songs that almost routinely bring tears to my eyes and that's one of them another one is uh easter song hallet when you lead that on easters that's just uh it almost always brings tears to my eyes why because it reminds us of tremendous truths that we need to ponder and we need to ponder them daily and one of the things we prayed this morning uh, before the service as we were praying for the service together and elders this morning was that this would not be a Christmas season that we just go through the motions, but that all these things that are kind of routine, they're traditions. There's good traditions, and there's meaningful traditions. And we hope that when we do the Advent liturgy, it'll be a meaningful tradition. We hope that when we hear messages about things we've heard a thousand times, uh, many of us in our Christian lives, 
that it wouldn't be just tradition, but it would be meaningful, that we would deeply ponder and think about these things because this is what Jesus did for us, my brothers and sisters. And we need to remember this, and we can never, even as we looked at last week, take these for granted. James, thank you for a wonderful kickoff to the Advent season. Amen. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are grateful for this Advent season when we can be reminded and we can remember, Father, all that you have accomplished for you for us. We remember the amazing miracle of the Incarnation, that the God of the universe, the one who made all that we see, chose to become flesh and dwell among us and live a sinless life and die for us. Father, help us to not take these things for granted, things that, stories that we know so well, Father, but help us to ponder the deep meaning of these and, Father, the hope that we have because these things are true. We're grateful for these things, Father. We're grateful for the love and grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for this family of faith you've given us. And we ask for your blessing now as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.